Hello everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and welcome to Plain Market Talk, where I will provide a straightforward interpretation and analysis of current market news based on my background as a retired Wall Street stockbroker with almost 50 years of experience. And I will also provide business lessons to help you become much more successful with your personal finance, trading, and investments. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Okay, today is Saturday, August 21st, 2021. All right, markets are closed, but we do have a few things going on. I'm going to talk about Foot Locker and its storied history. It used to be known by a different name. Uh, a few comments on special purpose acquisition company is SPAC, and some cautionary is there. Some comments on Zoom. Disney's looking to bring a new exoskeleton to their theme parks. Uh, and also today, we're going to learn a little bit more about options, uh, uh, go over to detailed quotes, and a trading strategy that probably most people that have traded options for years and years have never done, may have never heard, out, heard about, called an options rollout. So we'll talk about that today. Okay, Foot Locker, uh, symbol FL, New York Stock Exchange. Uh, they reported blowout uh, financial numbers uh, at the end on Thursday, I think it was. It might have been the beginning of the day on Friday, but anyway, just blew past their sales, profit expectations, which were elevated anyway. Uh, company stock has doubled in the last year, although it, it's still off its high. Uh, it was around $75 a share back in 2017, so 58 now, but it has doubled in the last year. But they gave a very positive outlook for the second half of the year. Basically, uh, with people at home more, they're outside exercising more, and there's a need for, you know, the running shoes and all kinds of stuff, Foot Locker uh, sells. So some good news there. I always thought, well, if they ever moved to NASDAQ, we have to have four letters for your stock symbol. They could always go with foot. But anyway, they do FL, uh, New York Stock Exchange. All right, so what is the number one thing that would be uh, needed for a company to succeed long-term? Uh, first of all, what are the financial numbers? I'll go over that another day, the financial fundamentals, but they basically are the three things, and I have mentioned this on a previous session. For a company to succeed long-term, it needs to grow its sales, uh, keep its debt under control, and figure out how to make a profit. Now, I'm not saying those are the only three things, but they do need to do, do those three things. What's the key to long-term success for a company? Well, same as a sports team, it's management. Good management. If you have good management, you're going to have success. An example, you could take the worst NFL football team out there, uh, and then you bring in good front office manage, management, good field management, they will turn it around and turn them into a winner. It's the same with a company. Uh, some companies have reputations for just being well-managed year after year, decade after decade. IBM is known for that. Uh, let's see, Best Buy is known for good management. And so is this company, Foot Locker. They used to be known as Woolworths. Now, some of you may be old enough or you've heard of Woolworths stores or you can Google them. They, they were five and dime stores and they were located downtown in cities. What happened? Woolworths was always a very well-run company. Uh, used to be a member of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, just a big, well-established company. Well, what happened? The managers at Wool management at Woolworth they began to see in the seventies a trend towards shopping malls. You know, people out in the suburbs. So what they did, 
they began to close their downtown five and dime stores and they began to open stores in malls. And they had all these different stores they tried. Some succeeded really well, others not. But anyway, uh, they, they became known as one of the major tenants in shopping malls uh, with multiple stores there. And what happened, they changed their name to the Venator Corporation. So that's what they were known by for quite a number of years. They had a division, Kinney Shoes, K-I-N-N-E-Y, and they changed the name of that to Foot Locker, and, and Foot Locker became their big success. So eventually, I think it was around 2004 or so, they changed the name from the Venator Corporation to Foot Locker. So this is the old Woolworths, still around. So anyway, keep an eye on Foot Locker. We'll see what goes on there. Okay, um... Oh, yeah, here's something. Somebody put this out like it was, you know, big news. Uh, the uh, Afghanistan currency, the Afghani, uh, hit a record low uh, on current worldwide currency exchange markets this week. I mean, I can't imagine why, uh, but somebody made like that was like, you know, surprising news. Anyway, we got that going on. Um, got a story here about... Uh, Tops SPAC merger with Murdoch, Murdoch Capital, or Murdrick, sorry, Capital dies because Major League Baseball killed 70-year-old trading card deal. All right. Uh, the, the last session I talked about uh, Major League Baseball is ending its relationship with Tops for the baseball cards. That uh, They've had that deal since 1952, uh, goes through 2025, and they're going to go with Fanatics who sell, you know, they're at the, the malls and places sell their sports apparel. All right. So what happened? What's an SPAC? All right, special purpose acquisition company. This is a relatively new thing in the financial world. What they are, they're companies that are formed and then they become public uh, and sell stock that would trade New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ, yet they don't actually have any businesses that they do. When they go public, they simply raise money that they, to say they're going to buy other companies. So basically, investors are blindly hoping that they can make good decisions. All right, so here, here's some issues with that. Securities and Exchange Commission is looking at this. Since the 1930s, there has been a very, very sophisticated, definitive process as to how you go public. Uh, it's a long, long process. you got to release all the information relevant to, to investors to be able to determine if this company's worth investing in. All right, so that's a very long, very expensive process. It can cost tens of millions of dollars in fees. But the key there is the reason it protects investors from a company committing fraudulent activities. We had a lot of that in the 1920s. That's partly what led to the stock market crash in 1929. All right, so by the way, another day I'll do a whole lesson on the stock market crash in 1929. I've been doing this for so long. Wow, you were around, Bill, in 1929? No, I started in 1975, but I used to work with brokers who were actually on the floor the New York Stock Exchange uh, during the crash of 1929. I was there during the crash of 1987. So anyway, um, but in the 1930s, uh, there was a lot of fraud in the 20s, companies promising this, that our financial numbers are this, and then it turns out they were just making things up. So anyway, the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, it was formed in the 1930s, has very specific processes in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. Problem with these SPACs, now what they're doing, they're just buying these companies and effectively bringing them in as part of their portfolio, so now they're somewhat public. Uh, anyway, here's the thing with SPACs. I just have a 
bad gut feeling about these things. So I would tell everybody, I'm not saying don't buy and don't invest in them, that you can't make money, but I, I don't know. Uh, I, I can see, it's kind of blind faith that the people running these things are going to be able to make good decisions. And we start hearing about companies they bought uh, are, are nowhere near what they were uh, made out to be. Uh, we could see a big backlash against SPACs, particularly if in, individual investors start getting hurt, then Congress is going to get involved, SEC. So anyway, be careful with SPACs. I don't know, just something about these things. See, right now, the markets are going up. They've doubled in the last year. They're even up quite a while before that. Anything was looking good right now. But you know, when the markets eventually turn, uh, that that's when we're going to see possible issues here. So be careful with SPACs. All right, what else we got? Uh, some some stories about Zoom. Uh, all right, Zoom is still doing well, but you know, as people are returning more and more to the office, there's less usage usage of Zoom. But now with the uh, increased COVID cases, a lot more companies are saying we're holding off this back to the office um, you know requirements until January. So I think even after that, we'll see increase um, you know high levels of uses in Zoom. As you know, people work from home part of the week and flexible hours, just just all kinds of stuff. Even Zoom. Internally, maybe everybody's at work, but it's a big building. Maybe it's easier just to do a Zoom session. Um, thing about Zoom, uh, the stock did eventually hit five hundred and sixty dollars a share a few years ago. Uh, I believe now it is back to let's see where they at right now uh, three thirty six. Uh, but you know, let's keep an eye on it. But here's the point I want to make with Zoom: make sure you're buying the right stock. Uh, back when COVID hit, everybody hears about companies going to Zoom. All these um, inexperienced investors start buying Zoom stock. Like they're the only ones thinking, oh, this company's going to do well. Uh, they bought the wrong company. Uh, they just assumed that the company that they wanted to buy was called Zoom Technologies. I think their stock sale might have even been Zoom. And they ran it up from like a dollar a share to like $25. And then the Securities and Exchange Commission noticed halted trading on it, realizing people were buying the wrong company. The one they wanted to buy was Zoom Video Communications, not Zoom Technologies. So ZM, Zebra Mary, that, that's the one. Uh, so anyway, be, be careful with that. And the stock then came tumbling back down. Uh, a lot of investors who had gotten in late quickly lost a lot of money. All right, so that's what's going on with Zoom. What else we got here? Yeah, Disney is uh, apparently experimenting with this new exoskeleton at their theme parks. It's this big suit people can get in. Uh, I guess cast members, uh, as they're called there, and it'd be like a 10-foot transformer walking around, the Incredible Hulk. So uh, if, you, if you Google Disney's new exoskeleton, you can um, get, get a look at it. That, that could be something for the future. Uh, on a side note, uh, in Orlando, uh, Universal Studios, Disney World's competitor, actually has Marvel characters at their theme park. Yet Disney owns Marvel. Uh, the way that came about, Marvel used to be an independent company, New York Stock Exchange listed, symbol MVL. Uh, they signed a contract with Universal before they were bought by Disney, allowing Universal to use the Marvel characters. Uh, I think it's a perpetual uh, license. Uh, with the uh, also the stipulation, no other theme park within 500 miles uh, can have those Marvel characters at a theme park. So you got Spider-Man, the Hulk, and Fantastic Four, and others at Universal Studios. Uh, um, and so what happens now, Universal has to pay to rival Disney licensing fees since they now own Marvel. All right, so keep an eye on that. 
All right, so let's take a look at option quotes. We're going back to Disney again. Uh, we looked at them the other day. Now, I mentioned a place, there's lots of places to get option quotes. There's Google option quotes, but the Chicago Board Options Exchange site is good. So you go to cboe.com, okay, Chicago Board Options Exchange. I mentioned there's good educational information here. All right, you click on data, D-A-T-A, okay, and then quotes dashboard. And then you type in the stock symbol. If you don't know it, there's a lookup area uh, over there. It says symbol lookup, but DIS. Okay, hit the search button. And then what you want to do is uh, you have several choices here. Click on options. All right, so all right, so that's the process there. Okay, so Disney closed on Friday at one hundred seventy-five dollars and eleven cents a share. Now, I mentioned the last time what a call option contract is. It gives you the uh, it gives you the right, but not the obligation, to buy 100 shares uh, in this case of Disney stock at a guaranteed price for a specific period of time. Uh, options expire every Friday, so uh, I'm looking at the current quotes here. Looks like if you wanted to buy a contract at what's called a strike price of $175, this would allow you to buy 100 shares of Disney stock anytime between now and the expiration on this is next Friday, August 27th, close of business. Uh, at $175 a share, that would cost you $215. That's what that is. So uh, that is called an in-the-money contract because right now Disney's trading above that price by $0.11. Cents. So it has at least $0.11 cents of intrinsic value per share. All right, out-of-the-money would be, there's another one that says $177.50 strike price. That would be out of the money because the stock's not currently at that level. All right. So that, that's call option contracts. We talked about that um, a little bit on the last session. All right. So let me go over the full quote here, as you would see it on what we call the SIBO uh, screen. And then I'll discuss what an options rollout is. Uh, by the way, on upcoming sessions, uh, this is called a long call where basically... If you pay $215 for this contract uh, and Disney goes up to like $185 a share, uh, basically it's got an intrinsic value of $10 a share times 100. You just made $1,000 on a $215 investment in, in basically just a few days. Uh, the problem is if Disney doesn't go above 175 or goes below it and stays below it, you lose your $215. So that, that's basically in a nutshell of how... This is speculation, what I call long option contracts, long means you own it. All right, so let me, uh, what I'm going to do in future sessions, I'm going to talk next about put contracts. You have the right to sell a stock at a guaranteed price. Uh, then I'm going to talk about writing calls and writing puts as a, a short position as opposed to owning them, or buying them. You can actually create them yourself and write them uh, where you assume the obligation of selling uh, the stock to somebody else. But we'll, we'll talk about those in other sessions. Uh, and then we'll get on to uh, you know, more advanced stuff as time goes on. All right. By the way, once you know about buying calls and puts uh, and writing calls and puts, Notice I said and, not or, because you can do both. You know about probably what most of you will ever need to know about options, all you'd ever be interested in, but we'll go into more advanced strategies. All right, let me, let me read the full quote to you. This is a uh, Disney uh, August 27th, 175 call option, means expires August 27th. 
$175 strike price. Says last 216. That $216 was the last trade. But with options, that could have been five days ago. They don't all of them trade every day. Net up point, uh, plus 0 0.255. Uh, so the actual last the, the, uh, trade is quoted at two point one six two dollars and sixteen cents uh, per share uh, that you're controlling hundred shares in a contract. All right, it's up point uh, two five five, but that, that's compared to the last trade on the last day it traded, which could have been a week ago. So we don't pay that much attention to net changes with options. Sometimes not even last since it could have been days ago. We look at bid and ask. That's two point zero eight bid, two point one five ask. Basically, if you own this contract and you want to sell it just to cash out, you would get $208 for the contract. If you want to buy it, $215. Uh, let's see. Volume, VOL, 3,810. Uh, 3,810 contracts traded on uh, Fridays. This is a heavily traded contract. IV 0 0.23. I'll cover that another day, but it's it's basically implied volatility. It's a, it's a volatility measure compared to the underlying stock. How volatile is it? It has to do something with the option volatility also. Um, it, it's it's got option prices are based on a lot of factors. The uh, underlying price of the stock versus the strike price, time until expiration. Uh, which are called thetas, um, volatilities, called vegas. There's a lots of stuff there. So anyway, we'll, we'll get to that stuff. But uh, then we have what's called delta and gamma. They have that listed next. So what is a delta? Uh, it's a ratio. It's called a hedge ratio. What what it does, it compares the change in the value of the option uh, percentage-wise to the change in the stock. So that's what that is. Again, I'll talk more about that another day. And then we have gamma. That's the change in the option compared to a $1 move into stock. Uh, and then we have INT open interest. That's how many contracts exist. Uh, let's see. So the, uh, the implied volatility, 0.23, delta 0.51, gamma 0.08. And open interest is 1,967. That means there's 1,967 contracts out there, yet the volume was 3,810. Option contracts can be created and made to disappear out of thin air. They're not like stocks. But for now, I wouldn't tell you to worry about implied volatility, deltas, gammas, open interest. Well, open interest, yeah. The bigger the open interest, usually the smaller the difference between the selling price, bid, and the buying price. So there is something to do with open interest. All right. But for most of you, I would probably say concentrate on bid, ask, and open interest. That's it. All right. So here's what a rollout is. Now, this is a trading strategy that most people that you know, they traded options for years, have no idea about, and I guarantee most stockbrokers wouldn't know this. I said the other day, probably 95% of stockbrokers barely understand option contracts, and those who do, of that 5%, maybe a 20% of them understand rollouts, so that's 1% of all stockbrokers. All right. Well, I'll tell you how it works. Now, you'd want to check with whatever brokerage firm you're using to see if they allow option rollouts. If you call your stockbroker, uh, hey, do you guys do you guys have a mechanism set up for option rollouts? You're probably going to get sure, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, 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 while they're googling it to see what an option rollout is, tell them to check with their options department, uh, or you could probably send them a text or a message or something. All right, so here's how it works: an options rollout. So hopefully, I don't confuse everybody with this. I'll go over it again another day, but this is a trading strategy that it's going to put you ahead of 
like all these other option tr- people out there because most people don't know what this is. All right, so assuming your, your firm allows this, here's how it works. You have that Disney options contract expiring next Friday, August 27th, 175 strike price. Let's say you own one contract. You want to, You think Disney's going to go up, but you're not sure if it's going to go up by next Friday. You want to take this out another month. You want to go out, own it for another month, all the way to September 24th. Four more weeks. All right. So here's how the quotes look. On the uh, August 175 option, August 27th, bid 208, 2.08, ask 215. So if, if you sold it at the current market price, say that's what it was right now, you would get two hundred eight dollars uh, for that contract. Okay, so it'd be deposited in your brokerage account. Okay, if you look at how much it would cost you to take that privilege out a month, more more time, higher the option. Uh, let's see, that one's going to take you out February twenty fourth. Excuse me, September twenty fourth. I don't know. I'm thinking February. Uh, bid four point nine zero. Ask five point one five. That that's going to cost you five hundred fifteen dollars. All right. So here's the way you look at it uh, with, with an options rollout. All right. So let's say you wanted to do this. Um, okay. So uh, you would have to pay five hundred fifteen dollars the ask price for that September contract. And if you simultaneously sell your August contract, you would get $208. All right. So the difference, this whole thing would cost you $307. That's the difference between the two. I'm leaving out commissions. You know, check with your brokerage firm. All right, but you could maybe do this. Okay, so on the August option, the bid is 208. I'm, I'm just multiplying by the 100, $208. Ask is $215. That's a $7 difference. On the September contract, the bid is $490. The ask is $515. That's a $25 difference. You add the two up, that's a $32 difference between the two. Uh, that's called the spread, what the trader makes. So what an options rollout, what you do is you, you basically set it up to basically roll out from August to September and you give them one price total that you want to pay. So if you go by the current quotes, that would cost you $307. But you got $32 to play with between the spread the traders are looking at between their selling and buying price. So you know what? Maybe cut it down the middle or something. Instead of um, saying, I'll do it for $307, say, well, how about if I do it for $290? $17, you're shaving off of it. The trader would still make uh, to fifteen dollars on a difference on the bid and ask, but they might be willing to take it. A lot of times they will. I'll explain who the traders are on the other side. A lot of times it's automated, it's computer, but a lot of times they will take it. Now you won't. You saved yourself in this case seventeen dollars, but you know if you start trading lots of contracts, like ten of them at a time, you just tr- saved one hundred and seventy dollars. That's called an options rollout. So what it is, is basically you figure out the spread, the difference between the bid and ask on the one you want to sell, uh, add it to the difference between the bid and ask on the one you want to buy, and then basically look at the total dollar it's going to, dollar amount it's going to take you to sell one by another, and maybe lower it by maybe half the spread. And uh, a lot of times traders will take it. So hopefully that wasn't too confusing. I'll go over that again but uh, another time. That's called an options rollout. All right, so this is Bill Thompson, uh, T-Bill. I hope this stuff helps, and I'll talk to everybody again soon. See you. Take care. 